I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Diversity actually improves the bottom line for businesses. Most successful investors invest only in things that they truly, truly understand. By having the demographics that you're selling to reflected on your board and your senior management means that you're creating products and you're marketing products in a way that your demographic understands. Hello and welcome to World of Wealth, the podcast from Spears Magazine with me, Edwin Smith. On the show, I speak to entrepreneurs, high net worth individuals, and their most trusted advisors to unravel how the world of wealth really works. My guest this week is the entrepreneur Jessica DeLuca, a former IT analyst who co-founded the e-commerce platform Cult Beauty in 2007, back when she was working in the spare bedroom of her basement flat. A few weeks ago, in the summer of 2021, the business was acquired by the Hutt Group for $275 million. I asked Jessica about growing the business, selling it, what she plans to do next. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, Jessica DeLuca, thank you very much indeed for joining us on World of Wealth. Thank you, Edwin. I'm delighted to be here. And it's a brilliant moment to be talking to you because in the last few weeks, actually, the company you founded, Cult Beauty, has been acquired by the Hutt Group for the considerable sum of £275 million. You built it from the ground up with your co-founder. What have you been doing since that deal was done? Oh, gosh, what have I been doing since the deal was done? Um, I've been organizing logistics around an event that you don't really know what it's like to go through until you actually go through it. Um, I came from lunch today with one of my investors and mentors. So over the past month, I've been getting emails and texts with Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I got one or two OMFGs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and people from Singapore that had invested in us and mentors around the world just going, wow, you did it. It's been a month of kind of realizing that a finish line I didn't realize I would ever cross is now behind me. It's a, it's a big adjustment. It's very exciting. Can we go back in time and talk about that journey from the very beginning? I'd be really interested to know 
whether when you started out at the very start when you were working from uh, the spare bedroom uh, of your uh, basement flat, yep. what your vision was for the business. Did you have a plan, an, an idea of what it could become? At the time, Net-A-Porter was really, really becoming quite a household name. So that model was quite inspirational. I remember I was working um, as a contractor in IT. I used to build large-scale web applications for investment banks. And I was working out in Canary Wharf, and I was starting to make a little bit of money. So I was treating myself to some skincare. And I just found the process to be very difficult to navigate. And also, as a quirk of my personality, I don't really like going into shops. I like being able to do my own uh, my own investigation um, on my own time and make a decision without interacting with anyone, which sounds very antisocial, but it's just the kind of database nerd that I am. So I wanted to I wanted a resource online that told me what I should be using, what works, what's worth the money, what ingredients I should be looking for, what ingredients I should be avoiding. And I couldn't get that in an in-store experience. And I found the InStyle Best Beauty Buys Guide came out a couple of months later, and there were picks by experts in the field. So they were dermatologists, they were makeup artists, they were facialists, they were nutritionists, talking about the products that they can't live without, the products that they use on their A-list clients who, frankly, make quite a lot of money out of making sure that they look very good. So with the stakes that high, these were the people that I trusted to tell me what really worked. And my database nerd brain with the inspiration from Netaporte and my own need to figure out what I should be using as I was getting into my early 30s, just kind of led to me thinking about a beautiful website that was selling with education first, that was selling just the products that really, truly worked rather than the ones that maybe provided a lot of commission. And the vision really was just to tell the truth and uncover the best gems out there because there's an awful lot of products on the market. And in those early days, is there one particular thing you did? I'm talking about like the very genesis of the business and its its beginnings. Is there one thing that you did which was the most important thing in making it successful at that, at that early stage? Honestly, I think the most important thing I did was make it be an online business because there were so few at that time. And I've given this example before, but one of the experts on our panel I shouldn't name names, but one of our experts on the loads of them are very, very well paid. At the time, um, I think her day weight was around 30,000 pounds. So she she's paid that much because she really knows her stuff. She's very, very talented. Um, and that was the level of advice that I wanted to be able to get to, but I can't I couldn't afford that. <laughs> um, and I certainly couldn't afford to set up a shop and pay the salespeople 30,000 pounds a day. There's really not a sustainable business model there. But I could create a database and a website that made this information accessible to everyone. And I think that, I mean, that's really the key of what Cult Beauty is. It's making the information available to make a good decision, a good purchasing decision. And the information largely would be the ingredients in each of the products or other things as well? Ingredients, absolutely. We were the first ones to actually write up thoughtful product descriptions rather than reprinting the marketing information. That was revolutionary at the time. And now it's hard to realize that because the web has come on so, so far from um, from 2007 when, when we were building this. But to have a critical analysis of what the product is and why it works, and we were supported a lot by our expert panel on that. 
But also, I had two rules that I think were really important. The first was to focus on the second sale, not the first. So the litmus test for any product coming onto the website was, is it so fantastic that you would run to your best girlfriend and say, oh my gosh, you have to try this. You have to try this product. And the other rule was that no one editorially could use a word that they didn't understand. Because if they didn't understand it, then our readers and our customers certainly weren't going to understand it. Although the industry, I think, has gotten a bit better, at the time there were a lot of pseudoscientific terms that were trademarked and then used to really escalate prices um, of something that really wasn't justified. And you worked very closely with your co-founder, Alexia Inga, if if I'm pronouncing her surname. Yes, yes. And clearly it was a successful partnership. Why was it a successful partnership? We had very complementary skill sets. Also, I was an American. I didn't really know the UK um, and know who to speak to about what. And Lex is incredibly well-connected. She comes from a wonderful, wonderful family. Her parents pretty much adopted me as their own while I was over here feeling quite lonely for my own family. Um, and she has she has quite a network of just knowing who to talk to and understanding media in a way that I didn't. She had a, a PR background. Actually, she taught me the term PR juice. So what what was interesting enough to be written about? As the business progressed, as it developed, as it grew and matured, I guess different things became import, more important. When you got to a, a larger size as a company, what, what were the things that then became important that were then crucial to your success? Actually, really early on, something changed. It was December of 2008, and we met um, Stacia Prince, who had just left QVC. She had built a very, very impressive business there. She had 20 years of experience in retail and in beauty, and Lex and I had neither. So although Lex did actually have a little bit of retail from her time um, at Gap, but Stacia was the real deal. And she knew she just had this incredible commercial knowledge. She's extremely talented at finding the best beauty products in the world. Stacia was a game changer, and Stacia is still head, our head of buying. She's our international um, buying director still. Um, all these years later. And she saw the vision and was willing to take, I mean, the, the pay cut that she took to come work with us is just, I, I mean, I can't even do that kind of math. Uh, but she believed in she believed in my vision. And she was so hugely instrumental in making it happen. She leveraged her contacts. And she was able to provide guidance in so many areas of the business that, you know, we were just kind of figuring a lot of it out as we went along from a commercial marketing standpoint. But Stacy had so much experience and so much talent. And that was just, that was a huge game changer for us. And it all did work out rather well for everyone, well, for many people concerned. The Hutt Group in its acquisition gets, according to what I've read so far, gets 1.6 million new customers, 1.7 million new Instagram followers. And the company is still you know, very much on an upward curve. Sales grew 38% year on year last year to 123 million with growth in every market, all categories. It's it's going gangbusters, but but still growing, uh, selling a business rather can be quite difficult. Uh, it can be a long process. How did it come about? Were you were you actively looking to sell? Had you realized you, you wanted to take that decision? A good friend of mine um, who's a serial entrepreneur said, once told me um, businesses are bought. They're not sold. 
So a lot of times it's really not it's really not up to you. It's about the timing. And I think the pandemic has changed our society in so many ways. It's accelerated e-commerce hugely because we were able to keep people connected to something when the world was locked down. People relied so much, as you know, on Amazon to deliver so much. And we all enjoy going out and... I, I mean, even I, who don't like to interact too much in, in shops, I still enjoy getting out of the house and going out and interacting with people. We didn't have that. Op- we didn't have that option. Um, so e-commerce really benefited from this global tragedy, which is just the hardest thing to say, but it's it's the reality. And that coincided with the age of the company. So back in two thousand and nine, we did a very small round of fundraising. And that meant that we have some investors who trusted us 12 years ago with their money. And it wasn't an interest-free loan. It was, you know, they were trusting us because they believed in our ability to create a return. Unless a company is completely bootstrapped, as much as you love it, it's not entirely yours. So it wasn't ours to keep. Um, I think that the company is in incredible hands. The a lot of the founding team that is so instrumental to its success is in place. And the Hut Group is <laughs> demonstrably excellent at executing e-commerce. Um, there's so much they can do to help Cult Beauty become a global player. So I think it was it was right for it was right for everybody involved in the in the business. And I believe it was I believe it was right for the Hut Group as well. Absolutely. And the Hut Group is as you say, demonstrably a huge success. Its market mm-hmm. cap at the moment is about £9 billion. And Matt Moulding sounds like an interesting character. He apparently convinced Terry Leahy and Stuart Rose, two titans of the UK retail sector, to invest in the company in the early days. Did, have you worked much with him? Have you have you had many conversations with him about, about the deal? I've not. No, I've not. Um, but he is absolutely, a, yeah, he's a phenom. And so how did it come to pass? Well, we're, we're in a very, very lucky position um, that the company has had such strong growth since inception. We, you know, 30, 38% growth uh, year on year recently, 300% year on year for the first several years consecutively. And we also have a, a unique brand that has really resonated, which has been beyond fulfilling for me. So the combination of really quite spectacular financials, as well as a recognizable, valuable brand meant that we had quite a few, we had quite a few interested parties approaching us. Actually, I think the first time we were approached about um, acquisition was 2010. So it was way far, far too early back then. So we've constantly had a high level of visibility for acquisition because of the way that the company is. We are, we're quite unique in the, in the beauty space. We've pioneered quite a few trends as well. So that just gives us quite high visibility. And nobody has done beauty e-commerce the, the way that we've done that. Um, and I think that we could have been complementary to quite a few businesses. But the Hut Group makes so much sense because when I look at the acquisitions that they made even 10 years ago, those brands are still alive in, and kicking in the same format that they were when the Hut Group acquired them. So the Hut Group respects the DNA and the the uniqueness, the specialness of each of the businesses that they acquire. So I kind of, I, this is so cheesy to say, but like I, I trust my baby with them. <laughs> and when an acquisition happens, 
as I'm asking this as someone who has never sold a business, um, is there a moment when you feel it's done? I've, you know, you mentioned the finish line earlier. Is there actually kind of a thing that happens or a moment when you can kind of say, yes, okay, that's that's done now? I think it was actually, it was the final moments right before we signed all the paperwork. And I was on the phone. I mean, obviously it was all done virtually. I was on the phone with our with our company lawyer and the Hut Group's uh, representation as well as their M&A team. And just having that conversation and just kind of, I felt like I handed it over at that moment. Um, and then I hung up the phone and burst into tears. <laughs> and my, hus- my husband came over and gave me a big hug and we just kind of realized all those investors, all the employees that have that were given options over the years, it's been a life-changing event for for so many people. It was that moment, the kind words from the M&A team at, uh, at the Hutt Group, the kind words from, from our council. Yeah, and just bursting into tears. But tears of joy. <laughs> tears of, t- well, it's bittersweet, you know, because it's no longer, sometimes I catch myself saying we, and I went, oh, I, I just, I don't. I don't say that anymore. And it's a very strange, it's a very strange feeling. But I also really feel like I accomplished what I set out to do. So that's an incredibly fulfilling feeling. And of course, it's my first exit. So I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how to navigate it. I had hints from my wonderful mentors, because I've had so many serial entrepreneurs like William Reeve and Carmen Busquets uh, and Mark Quinn Newell, who've, who've kind of told me what would happen. But until it actually happens, you can't comprehend it, I think, or at least I couldn't comprehend it. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One of the things that comes up quite a lot in the work that we do, particularly when we talk to wealth managers who work with entrepreneurs is that they say often people who grow a business have a liquidity event it's sort of a term that they use to mm-hmm. describe when an acquisition goes through and they say what we really try to do is we try and work with those entrepreneurs before that liquidity event takes place mm-hmm. and advise them and protect them and, and work with them did you have a chance to, to do any preparation and to take advice before it all happened or did it have to happen afterwards? I did have a little bit of it. I um I didn't want to plan too much because I felt I would jinx it. It's very 
common feeling. I think a lot of people are quite superstitious about it. But there, there's a group in the U.S. called uh, GMAG. And I was introduced to the founder of GMAG uh, by a great friend of mine um, probably a couple of years ago. Uh, and he has been an incredible source of introductions because he works with a lot of other people that have gone through a similar a similar event. And he's GMAG's almost like a family office for individuals who aren't billionaires. So usually it's kind of the uh, purview of billionaires to have that level of resource. So just having, his name's uh, Frank Marzano at GMAG, he's fantastic, and he just helped me navigate so many things. I, I needed to have I needed to have a lawyer to help me understand the sale purchase agreement, for instance. And I don't have the contacts for that, but Frank's roster of clients and Frank's 20, 30 years of experience, he's built up quite a network. So that has really provided a soft landing for me, which honestly, I don't know what I would, would have done otherwise um because there's there's quite a lot to yeah there's quite a lot to navigate there and just a quick plug from me for the spears 500 and the, and the databases and uh, rankings that we put together in the uk i know a lot of people would flick through the spears 500 mm-hmm. and look for the look for those advisors and build a team but when you are building a team what kinds of things do you want from your advisors when when you're kind of looking for people to come on board and help you is there particular kind of attribute you want from someone like that? Is there a particular way that they can add value to you? Firstly, I want to say I had to also was a little bit more on my own because I was in the US, not the UK, where, of course, Spears is a resource that uh, that I would have been able to access. But what I found in the US, and actually, I think probably everywhere, and this this worked as well with um, with investors, you have a feeling when somebody is a good person who knows what they're doing. I think there's a stat that our subconscious can process about 11,000 pieces of uh, information at a given time, and the smartest person on the planet's conscious mind can only keep about 40 pieces of information at once. So we're evolved to understand what's going on all around us. Our instinct is really, really spot on if we can just listen to it. I remember um, my business partner, Alexia Ng, saying when we were interviewing investors, one of them, um, she really liked, she said, he's one of the first that didn't make the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Because there's a lot of really scary people out there who, especially when big sums of money are involved. I know it sounds very elementary, but I can't emphasize just trusting your own instincts and your own gut feeling about a person. And then obviously, references. People that pass your initial don't make me want to run the other way test or intimidate me too much test, then speak to many, many people that they work with to find out what their experience has been with them. That's the best advice I could give. And when we spoke a little bit before we came uh, on camera and on mic, you were talking about some of the mentors that you've worked with and some of the advice that they've given you for the next stage of your career and and whatever it else else, uh, it is that you'll do. What have been the most valuable things that people have said to you, do you think? The thing that I've heard consistently is just go slowly. I think, it, not that he's a mentor of mine, but um, Sir Richard Branson is, is quite famously said that business opportunities are like buses. There's always another one coming around. Actually, universally, everyone has told me to just go slow. Take my time. There's going to be so many things coming my way because it has been a high profile uh, transaction. And that has been the case. Actually, I believe uh, Natalie Massignet of Net-A-Porte famously had a post-it note on her computer monitor reminding her to say no. 
there's an awful lot you can do if you give yourself the time and the space to connect with the right partners and and take the time to understand what you really want to achieve. So for me, I really want to help the next generation of female founders find the success that I found. I think it's a very different experience for a woman than it is a man going through this process. So that's the arena that I'm looking at now, which helps me narrow it down. But just taking a breath, taking some time. And and as I referenced earlier, selling cult beauty is bittersweet because you know it started in my second bedroom. It actually started on a piece of paper in um, 12 LA <laughs> on a ski trip over Christmas. But it's something I've carried around with me for so many years. So to to say goodbye to that, I almost feel it's it's such an emotional rest that I need. It's not like I've been, well, I have been working very hard, but it's um, emotional rest as well as just intellectual, if that makes sense. And as, as you say, one of the things uh, that is important to you is this idea and this very real uh, state of affairs that funding for female entrepreneurs is more difficult to come by often than it is for male entrepreneurs. Why do you think that is the case? I think that's the case because I think the most successful businesses are run by people who truly understand the the demographic. There's all kinds of statistics that are emerging and have been emerging for several years now about how diversity actually improves the bottom line for businesses. And it's not any kind of magic there. And it's it's not, there can be virtue uh, uh, signaling there, but if it's done properly by having the demographics that you're selling to reflected on your board and your senior management means that you're creating products and you're marketing products in a way that your demographic understands. So I think that my success with Cult Beauty is because I was the demographic I was trying to reach. I'm not every woman in her 40s, but I'm a geeky woman in her 40s who spends way too much time behind a computer screen researching things and probably should get out and make some friends. But um so I can market to that. I can market to that person. I can market to the management consultant, the IT analyst, because that's who I am. And traditionally, business has been run more by men because we've only just started entering the workforce. And men are very, very talented and very talented at marketing to men. But it's hard for most men to understand why this particular eyeliner is so interesting, because they're not using it every day. And I think we see that with all we see that with all kinds of different, even with skin tone, I am my mother is descended from Brits and Danish people. I'm practically blue. I'm not someone who can tell you how to use a product that is for warm skin tone or olive skin tones. I'm just, that's just not what I, that's not my experience. So therefore I can't create that, that product in a way that someone who is, well, I am half Italian, but who inherited that olive skin or is black can. I'm just, it's just not what I do every day. So I'm not inside that mindset. I don't have that perspective because I'm not always using it. So I think that the more women are successful in creating businesses, the more they can then spot the next opportunities, and then they have the the resources to invest in it. So for instance, I've just had, as you mentioned, a liquidity event. And because my understanding of certain markets is different than other investors who, I don't know, might be more into online gaming and understand that market, I can invest in things that are important to the demographic that I represent. 
So one part of it is understanding the customer base that the company has um, about female entrepreneurs doing that and having what comes with that. But is there another part which is related to the way that companies are invested into into the way that funding works? I think that it can be. And this is what I'm hoping to create um, or to contribute to because there's lots and lots of um, successful entrepreneurs and investors already doing this is a virtuous cycle of investing where the more women have experience like I have, the more we can then invest in the next generation of female founders because we understand the the huge opportunity that it, that's there. So I don't think there's any insidious plan to not invest in women. I think it's just really a case of being able to understand the demographic and being able to understand the opportunity that's there. Most successful investors invest only in things that they truly, truly understand because they then know how they can make a difference there. They can also see the unique selling point and the moat that's going to be around that business. And if you're not that demographic, you just don't have that same insight. So the more successful female entrepreneurs there are out there, the more successfully invested female entrepreneurs up and coming there will be. And if we can look ahead to the future, you might not want to say much about this, but my sense is you might be planning to do something about this. I'm hoping to do something about this. Absolutely. Can you say Uh, what? It's difficult too, because there are regulatory issues around some of the things that I'm looking at. But um, I can give you an example of one of the things I'm already involved in that I'm very excited about. There's a company named uh, Sana Jardin, and it is a luxury perfume company founded by Amy Christensen. I met Amy, gosh, was it maybe five years ago? We were both helping, we were both working at the um, Cherie Blair Foundation for Women. Amy was a trustee on the board of trustees, and I was on the steering committee for the Enterprise Development Program, which focuses on helping women entrepreneurs, and especially in developing countries, um, access finance and also access uh, financial education and mentorship. And Amy, as well, is a phenom. She has she has such a track record behind her, but she also had such a vision for creating a business that was a social enterprise, but also an incredible luxury company. She has trademarked a term um, beyond sustainability. So her entire business model is sustainable. She has created jobs for women in Morocco that would not normally be economically self-sufficient. And these women then support her business by, they're her producers of the ingredients for her incredibly gorgeous line of, of perfumes and fragrance. And I've been on the board of advisors of that company since 2014 or 15. And I, I'm seeing more and more companies come out to success in an industry that I refer to as ethical luxury. And Amy's specifically, Sana Jardin specifically, is focused on helping other female entrepreneurs. So that's the type of project that there's not a lot of buses coming around the corner that look like Sana Jardin. I'm really excited about this model that she's created and this path that she's forging because it's inspiring other people to do the same, to see that running a business ethically can be very profitable. And then that has a virtuous cycle of then providing economic um, self-sufficiency to women who don't have the same level of access to employment. A last question, if I may. We've, t- we've spoken about kind of plans for the future and the fact that it's a good idea probably to take some time to decide what to do next. 
professionally. But uh, can I ask, kind of personally, now you've got a bit of time to yourself potentially, and you're, you're not busy building a business or selling a business in such a direct way as you were before. Are there things that you want to tick off and take the time to do now that you've finally got the chance? Uh, yeah, I want to go on a honeymoon. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to do that. The, the past, um, yeah, the past 18 months have been very, very, very full on. Um, and I was married in February. So uh, we've been pushing this off, pushing this off because, wow, I had a lot of board meetings, <laughs> a lot of committee meetings. Um, and so we've just started, yeah, we've just started planning a honeymoon. And I'm, yeah, that is my my primary deadline at the moment, my primary deliverable. Uh, yeah, so I want to have a honeymoon with my husband and a rest and continue to have really fascinating conversations with people like Amy who are just building incredible things. It's very inspiring and exciting. That sounds like a good deliverable to be working towards. Uh, Jessica DeLuca, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Edwin. Thank you for listening to this episode of World of Wealth with me, Edwin Smith. Our producer was Chris Stone. Do subscribe to World of Wealth on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For the latest from Spears, and to subscribe to the magazine, go to spearswms.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.